0: been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We, we, um, uh, for, for our visitors, like we call ourselves bush disciples. It, it, it's all about, um, Jesus said, he didn't just say go and make converts, he said make disciples. And I guess I looked at the books of the Bible and I thought, well where are we going to start? And I reckon the, the Gospel of Matthew was probably the one which said most to us about discipleship. And that's why we started with the Gospel of Matthew. And we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. Let's wait for that to go. It's taking a while, isn't it? He needs an extra engine or two. (laughs) Um, So we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew for a while and we've gotten now to Matthew chapter 24. So we're getting pretty close to the end of it and we've seen some pretty important stuff. Um, But when we got to Matthew chapter 24, there was so much stuff there. Um, And we actually entered into a little sub-series which I've called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Um, Now, some of us will be familiar with with the book that the ladies read when they're expecting and it tells you what to expect when you're expecting. And a lot of Matthew chapter 24 is telling us what to expect when we're expecting the return of Jesus Christ. And so far we've encountered some pretty tough stuff that's on the agenda. Firstly, we expect Jesus to be a long time coming. So don't be discouraged that it's already taken a couple of thousand years and he hasn't come back yet. And don't forget to keep watching because it could be any moment of any day. Jesus is still coming. Secondly, we expected there to be big trouble, the great tribulation before Jesus returns. And at that time, especially Christians, are going to suffer great persecution. The third thing we saw was we expect there to be false Christs and false prophets trying to lead people astray. Fourthly, we expect the unholy to desecrate the holy. Uh, We expect the worship of the one true God to become increasingly difficult and for other gods to take his place and to be placed alongside of him. Then we had last week's topic, which was before Jesus returns, we expect lawlessness to increase and we looked at the different domains in which this lawlessness is already increasing and and we looked at lawlessness in the world, both personal lawlessness which comes from a disregard for authority um, but also state-sanctioned lawlessness where the laws that nations themselves make are lawless in God's eyes in themselves. Uh, The second domain in which this lawlessness gets going is in the church uh, where churches begin to embrace lawlessness rather than living by God's righteousness. And the third domain is that personal domain for us Christians, um, where Christians lose the, the desire to live godly lives and, um, and embrace freedom in an ungodly sort of a way. And also last week, the sixth thing which we managed to get in there was very sadly, before Jesus returns, the love of many will grow cold. And we have to go, and he's talking about Christians here. The love of many Christians will grow cold. And we have to be careful that we're not one of those whose love grows cold. Because as lawlessness heats up, love cools down. So, over the last five weeks, we've actually seen some pretty tough stuff that's, that, that's going to happen, that we're expecting to happen while we're waiting for Jesus to return. But at the end of last week, I actually promised you, today's going to be entirely different. Today we, we see something which is absolutely fantastic, something which is really great that's going to happen before Jesus returns. And the seventh thing we expect is that before Jesus returns, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Who thinks that's good news in itself? Anybody happy with that? Yeah? The the good news, the gospel of this kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come, Jesus said. And you know what? The best part is it's already happening. The gospel is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. No, not every single person has, has yet heard the gospel But there is not a country in the world today where the gospel is not being preached. And even in places like China, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, places where persecution of the church is so severe that the church has to go underground because if they get caught preaching the gospel, they're in big strife. Even in places like that, that doesn't stop them from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Christians have never been stopped from proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Because if you've got something as good as the good news, then that's something that you cannot keep to yourself. And that's something that we can learn. If you've got something as good as the good news, you cannot keep it all to yourself. So, today I'm going to be posing three questions for us to consider. What is this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus said? What does it mean to proclaim this gospel and how is it a testimony to all nations? And I'm going to begin by taking you right back to first century Rome. Imagine that Caesar's armies have been in a battle in some far-flung land and approaching Rome comes a runner, right? You can't just turn on the news and see CNN and, and see what's happening in another country. Approaching Rome comes a runner, a messenger. Now, in the Greek, he would be called a ungelos, an evangelist, a messenger of good news. And as he comes running into town, he's yelling out, ungelion, ungelion, gospel, gospel. Good news, good news. Caesar's armies have won the victory. Gospel, gospel. That's how the word gospel was used in those days. And when the writers of the New Testament had to translate what Jesus had said, they could find no better word than the word ungelion, gospel, to describe what he had said. It was a message of good news, of great news. A great victory has been won. It's something to celebrate, it's something to shout about, it's something to be joyful about. This good news, this gospel of the kingdom is what is going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. But what is the gospel? What is this news that is so great? Well, to our shame, many of us Christians differ in our opinion of what the gospel is. Um, There's probably nothing more which shows the brokenness of the church than the fact that we can't agree on what the gospel is. Some will look to the Apostle Paul and say, well, well, Paul explains the Gospel very well. We've all sinned. We fall short of the glory of God. The punishment of sin is death. We're all condemned to hell. No one is righteous, not even one. And so the good news, the Gospel, is Jesus took that punishment for us. Jesus died in our place and all those who repent of their sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and make him Lord of their life, will be saved. Now, I can't argue with that. Does anyone want to argue with that? That's good news. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But then others will say, well, the gospel's something different to that. Some will look to social reform and good deeds that Christians do in the name of Christ. In fact, Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, gospel, euangelion, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And for some people, gospel, the good news, is translated as social reform or social action or doing good deeds in the name of Christ. So what is it? What's the gospel? I'll tell you what. The Evangelion... The gospel, the good news, is God. The gospel is God. It's everything about him. It's the whole story of God in word and action. It's God revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ preached the gospel... But he also was the gospel. The gospel cannot be divorced from the person of God. The gospel cannot be divorced from the action of God. It cannot be divorced from the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The opening words of the gospel of Mark. See, we even call them gospels, don't we? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we call them gospels. The good news. Now, Jesus Christ, in the opening words of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the beginning. Do you think the gospel ended with Jesus' crucifixion? Do you think it ended with the resurrection? Do you think it ended with, ended with the ascension? No. The gospel continues. The activity of God in your life is gospel. It's good news. It's the continuing story of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, takes us beyond our current existence. That's how we opened this morning. We we talked about, hey, you might be going through some really tough stuff but the gospel of Jesus Christ takes you beyond that. The gospel of God living with you and inside of you takes you beyond that. Did you notice that Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Now the word this is actually a pretty important one here. He didn't say the gospel, he said this gospel. So what do you think he means by this? What's he been, just been talking about? Well, he's just been talking about trouble and persecution. Look, I'll read it for you again. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation, that means big trouble, and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. I'm going to take you right back to the very first message that, that I gave on this passage where we talked about the, the great pain and trauma and suffering that is to come upon Christians before Jesus returns. And we talked about how these are like birth pains. Yep. Yep. And remember, ladies, I took my life into my own hands by, by daring to tell you guys about birth, childbirth. Yeah? Remember that? Um, and we said, you know, yep, there is a lot of bad stuff happening and it's continuing, and it can continue until Jesus returns. Um, and these are like birth pains. With birth pains, the, lady go, the, the mother goes through varying degrees of pain But the the thing that makes it all worthwhile at the end is the birth itself, the arrival of the child. And just like when a mother goes through these pains and and the, the good news is that at the end Jesus returns. We suffer trials and tribulations but the good news is the one who endures to the end will be saved. And there might be times in your life when you find yourself wondering, where's God? Well, I'll tell you where he is. God is right there with you. He's right there living the gospel with you as you put your trust and your hope in God. He lives the gospel with you as you live it with him. And as we draw near the end, many will abandon their faith in God. Now, that's a very sad thing. The world will mock and say, where's your God now? you put all your trust in him. How's he looking after you now? Now, don't be, don't be surprised by that. They did that to Jesus too. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross? They scoffed at him, they ridiculed him, they said, he trusts in God, let God deliver him now he desires him but what they didn't realize was even as Jesus died on the cross that in itself was euangelium that in itself was gospel the good news even in that very dark place the gospel is bigger than circumstances and even when tribulation comes The message remains the same. And it will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. What is the gospel? The gospel is God. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit with us is the gospel. The activity of God is gospel. Even in a dark place through trials and tribulations, this gospel is lived and proclaimed. So, the second question is, well, what does it mean to proclaim this gospel? You know, there once was a time when I wouldn't actually have to explain that. Um, the word proclamation actually, well, we, we should actually know what proclamation means, to proclaim something. Um, but because many of us want to, to avoid it or to um, abnegate our responsibility, uh, we seem to have become a generation who have given proclamation a whole new meaning, Uh, The the Greek word, karuso, means announce, make known, proclaim aloud. Um, The the simple term, folks, is use your words. Okay? Use your words. Um, Use your words to make known the good news of Jesus. Now, for many of us in the church, we, we seem to think that proclamation, what we now call preaching, well, that's the responsibility of, of, of the minister or the pastor or whatever he is, um, and maybe one or two gifted individuals who might be able to, to do a little bit of proclamation. What a nonsense! That would be like saying, on State of Origin night, everyone, it's the job of the cheerleaders to cheer for Queensland and everybody else can, can just stay quiet. Uh, did anyone here cheer for Queensland, by the way? Anyone? Nobody's willing. There's a couple of hands back there. Everybody seems to be all pretty subdued about it. Um, obviously didn't cheer loud enough. Um, often you'd see a lot of Maroon getting about the place on Thursday. I didn't see too much of that happening. Hmm. But if you were cheering for Queensland at any stage, you were proclaiming the good news of your favourite footy team. Right? Why then, when it comes to even better news, the very best news of all, why is it that at our mouths snap shut? Because it's true, isn't it? You're much happier to proclaim the good news of your favourite footy team than you are to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that true or do I not know you guys well enough? Everybody's like stunned mullets here. Nobody's wanting to fess, fess up. Well, I'll tell you why we don't do it. It's fear. It's fear. Because proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ in the world is proclaiming the good news in enemy territory. You see, it's all very nice and easy to proclaim the good news here amongst other Christians. But for us to go out in the street and start telling people about Jesus, that gets a whole lot harder. Just like it's very easy to get dressed up in your very patriotic maroon clothes and and go to State of Origin party here in Queensland. But probably not so many of us would be quite so wonderfully happy to um, dress ourselves up in maroon and um, go to a State of Origin night at at the um, to watch it on a big screen TV in a bar of a Western Sydney pub. Some people wouldn't care. But I know a lot of others will be a whole lot lot less um, happy about that. Generally, the good news of Jesus Christ is as welcome in the world as you would be in that pub. And so you're afraid to tell people about the good news of God. And so we start looking for loopholes. Attributed to St Francis of Assisi is a saying which has become quite popular within the church which um, I did a bit of research on it, by the way, and I don't think he actually said it. They um, actually think it somebody else must have said it because it didn't appear until hundreds of years after. Um, but this saying is: "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." Have, have you heard that saying? Yeah. Now, it's a pretty snappy saying, which basically means: "Live what you preach." Okay, don't just don't just say it; live it as well. Right. But I want to rescue that phrase from the way it is most often used today. Most people I've heard say it, quote it, and then in the same paragraph use it as an excuse to behave as if their silence is their gift to God. I believe that the greatest denial of Christ today is the silence of believers. Peter denied Jesus Christ by actively saying, No, no, I don't know Jesus. You know the story, he did it three times before the cop grade. But I believe the biggest denial of Christ today is silence. The funny thing is St Francis, who that saying is attributed to, was very well known for his preaching. He used to preach five sermons a day and any opportunity he'd got, it. would stand up on a soapbox in the local marketplace or whatever and start telling people about Jesus Christ. Every opportunity you got. What gives us the right to keep it all to ourselves? The world is perishing while we remain silent. And some of us might say, oh, well, the, the world will know that I'm a Christian because I'm living a good life. Well, okay, you might be living a good life and people might even be able to see that. But how does that give them hope? If, it becomes, if the gospel becomes all about what I've done or can do or am doing, what hope does that give others? I'll tell you where they get hope from. It's when somebody who has lived a bad life in the past tells them about how Jesus saved them from that. To something better. If all people see is good people going to churches and that's their extent of their knowledge of the gospel, that just confirms for them what they've always believed. Hey, I'm not good enough to go to church. They're all the good people. I, I won't fit in. They've got all their lives together and everything's going great for them. I, I, I don't fit. What people need is not just to see good people going to church. What people need is someone who is willing to share with them the good news. The good news is that none of us are any good. We're all dirty, rotten scoundrels. And the transforming work of God can do something about that. Did you know you're allowed to be proud of Jesus? Did you know that? You know, We get hammered into us that pride is such a bad thing and pride is an ugly thing, and that's true. Pride is ugly when it's pride in yourself or, or in your achievements. But you are allowed to be proud of Jesus. You are allowed to tell people all about Jesus Christ and what he's done. It is right to proclaim it. Use your words. I better keep on going. Uh, how is it a testimony to all nations? Uh, the word testament is materion, from which we get our word martyr. Um, it means testimony, evidence, proof. When the gospel is proclaimed in spite of, all, its, of its, all of its opposition, that is the evidence the world needs for it to be given credibility. The context of this proclamation that goes out into the whole world is very often in the midst of suffering. It's in the midst of tribulation. I really wanted to find a quote for you in a book, but it's packed away in a box somewhere, stuck away in the shed, because uh, we seem to be forever moving at the moment. Um, And so I knew I wasn't going to find it, so I'm going to have to just give you this quote as best as I can remember it. By the way, I'm a very slow reader, and people give me heaps and heaps and heaps of books to read. Uh, like Robin can read about six or eight books in the time I can read one. Um, and most of these books could say in three paragraphs what they take 300 pages to say and it really and it takes me six months to read it. Um, so I just want to apologise in advance. If any of you guys have ever given me books and said this book's really touched me and, and I, you really should read it... Um, I'm making a confession now, it's in a box somewhere and I've, I actually haven't read it, um, so forgive me please because I'm just really slow. Um, but there's this one book that, that really captured me and it's called The Heavenly Man. Has anyone read it? It tells the story of Brother Yun and, and he runs a prohibited house church in China. And in it he talks about how they are living under persecution and we Westerners, that's very racist of him, isn't he, saying you Westerners, but yep. He says, you, you Westerners, you think as soon as you see a bit of persecution you've got to pray for it to stop. And he says something along the lines of, don't pray for the persecution to stop. We shouldn't pray for a lighter load to carry, but a stronger back to endure. And then he tells us why. Then the world will see that God is with us Empowering us to live in a way that reflects his love and power. That is testimony. Testimony isn't just words. Testimony is something that people can see that, hey, you actually really believe this. This is how the gospel becomes a testimony to all nations. When Christians proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, even when their very lives are at stake, that is conviction. That means something. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come never before has the gospel been proclaimed in so much of the world. And I guess it's a sign of the times that things can spread across the world so quickly. Um, even this little church here, every time we, we do a message, the we record the sermon, we, we put a printed and a recorded version onto our little website which can be accessed from anywhere in the world unless we get banned somewhere, which we probably are, who knows. Uh, I know at one stage I was banned from the high school. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know why or how it happened but, but uh, one of the kids was wanting to look at the youth group things once. This is when I was in the previous church and, and um, it had come up, a content blocker. Uh, I'm not sure what was on it. But anyway... Um, But then we have things like Christian radio, Christian television, um, shortwave band radio, Christian satellite TV, beaming into every corner of the world. But of course not everybody has access to that sort of stuff and there's Christian missionaries giving up their life's dreams in order to serve God in other lands. A couple of weeks ago we had the Gideons here. And they told us about all of the languages that the scriptures are now being translated into and and how they go to different countries and they do a Bible blitz in those countries and hand out millions of Bibles. Uh, Never before has the gospel been proclaimed to so much of the world. But let not you and I ever have the attitude that they've got it covered. That's their job. We don't don't have to worry too much about that. Therefore, you and I can stay quiet. Let that never be our attitude. I'm constantly amazed at how God sort of lines up where we're up to in our cycle of of preaching um, with what's going on in our community and in our church at the time. Those who are visiting with us this Sunday might think that I've probably chosen this Bible passage to line up with a visit. Um, I didn't. Uh, It's just come about that way. We've just been working our way through and and here we are today. But I think it's an entirely appropriate topic for today. Before Jesus returns, the Gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Because this Sunday, out of all Sundays, is the time when you guys from Watoto are joining with us well not from Watoto but about to go to, on the Watoto trip are going to be joining with us and you're about to travel 13,000 kilometres or more all the way to Uganda to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you, you might think that you're just going as a medical team. Well you are going as a medical team but you're also going as part of the gospel of Christ. You are much, much more than just a medical team. You'll be sharing healing, but you'll be sharing this healing in the name of Christ and I encourage you to also use your words. Make sure people know that Christ is your Lord, is your Saviour and this healing and this conviction of Christ has led you to, to what you're doing on your trip. And for all of us, no matter how inadequate we may feel our words are, words spoken from a position of faith have power. Okay? Now I'm going to share with you your reading shortly. I just want you to have this in your mind. It's not words spoken from a position of having a good education. It's not words spoken from, um, out of a theological background. Or from theological training. It's not words of of eloquence, but it's words spoken from a position of faith that have power. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed, now get this, from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All you need is faith. You you don't have to be the best speaker in the world. You don't have to have the best stories in the world. The words that have power Are the words that come from faith. And you all have faith, don't you? Yeah? When you share your faith, the righteousness of God is being revealed from your faith. For faith. To share it for other people to grab hold of it and to develop their own faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this good news of the Gospel. Lord, we want to thank you that this good news isn't limited to just one small place and one small time. This good news is something that started out in the back blocks of, of Israel and has spread throughout the whole world. Lord, let it not stop with us. Lord, may we be a part of your testimony to the world so that the world would hear and the world would believe. Lord, help us to share the faith that you have given us. In the name of Christ. Amen.